How's everybody doing? We got a few a few goods. There we go. So uh, real quick, I'll just plug to Encounter. So men, uh, we've got 44 men signed up right now. Uh, and so this is our uh, third year doing it. Uh, it's something every year we, we, just, we, we get together and we pray and say, hey, God, do you want us to do this? This isn't just something we plan on doing every year. And uh, man, come talk to me or Pastor Cameron afterwards. Man, we asked God for 60. So there's, there's what, 16 more men somewhere uh, who are who are thinking? So uh, just just go with go with that gut feeling, and I promise you won't regret it. So, uh, but first, I just want to uh, honor Pastor Mitch. Uh, just while he's away, it, I take for granted the the teaching we're under here and the and the pastor we have here. So, Pastor, we love you. Uh, hope you're having fun in Alabama, and just it's a privilege and an honor to be able to speak in your uh, absence. And so. Uh, but tonight, I want to talk about uh, love, right? Ooh, all, all, the, all the kids over there are like, man, we've been talking about this for two months. So, but I want to talk about love. Uh, so, first thing, I need, I need y'all to kind of like talk back to me. My students know this, uh, so I, just, I don't want to just look like I'm talking to a wall the whole time. So, by the raise of a hand, how many people in here would say they are in love? Nobody? All right, okay. Hopefully. All right. Raise your hand if you would say, uh... Like, one day I want to be in love. All right? Okay, so if you did not put your hand up, no worries. By the end of the night, the plan is all that will change. That's, that's the goal. If you did put your hand up, the goal for, for tonight is to take you to another level, to go deeper uh, in love. And so uh, God's got a word for us. And so uh, what I want to talk about tonight is that really we're not going to talk about loving in essence people but the one person and it's that I want to know Jesus well and I want to love him more and and, and that's that's our goal and so uh, a couple weeks ago Pastor Mira came to me it was on uh, Monday February 8th and she's like uh, you're going to teach on the 24th on Wednesday night the 24th and uh, I was actually I was, I was really excited normally I'm like oh you sure you want me up here but uh, no, I was really excited because the Holy Spirit's just been downloading stuff on me really since December, and it's just a bunch of stuff, and, I'm, and if that's why I'm all over the place, that's why, is because there's just so much been going on. And so getting back to my story, uh, she told me that on Monday, well, a little backstory, my wife uh, left for a funeral in Maryland that Monday morning, so I had, uh, and she was coming back late Tuesday night, so I had the three kids, and uh and so I, I really, the next couple of days, I start praying, all right, God, like, what do you want me to, to, to speak about? What do you have? And so I started throwing all this stuff down on paper. And uh, when I say I started putting stuff on paper, it was a lot of stuff, and it was all over the place. It was like a, a big, beautiful mess, I guess you could say. And so uh, I actually started to get worried. I was like, man, like, I don't know how any of this is going to tie together and make sense. It's just going to be over here and here and here. So I'm going to do my best to uh, make it full circle. So I started to pray more and more about this. And then uh, my wife, she got home. What's up, Ashley? She got home uh, like that Tuesday night. It was late. It was like 11, 11 o'clock. Uh, kids were already asleep. And then, uh, oh, man, Jackson, our youngest, he was up Tuesday night, Wednesday morning. He decided to get up and start screaming I don't know, like midnight, like he got in our bed somewhere around there. And then from 2 o'clock in the morning to 4 in the morning, no lie, that joker did not go to sleep. Like in our bed 
sitting up just screaming and crying. And we're both just laying there, like, trying to ignore him. Like, uh, just, like, maybe if we don't look at him, he'll go back to sleep. Trying everything. And for two hours, like, we tried that. We tried, like, all right, I'll go downstairs and get him some milk. That'll work. Nope. Uh, all right, let's put him back in his room. No, that just made him angrier, and he just started screaming even more. And then uh, I said, well, maybe he's teething, so we go and get him some Motrin. That will help. Nope. And so, like, we, we tried everything, but actually the rock star eventually got him to sleep, I think, around 4 in the morning. And, uh, you know, that's just kind of the season of life we're in with Jackson, so just pray for us. Uh, so... Wednesday morning, I come in to work late on Wednesdays, and praise God, Pastor Joshua lives close by, and he picks up Olivia and takes her to school with Levi on Wednesday mornings. So I get Olivia up, get her ready. I'm exhausted, like, like just a zombie walking around. And so, like, I'm upstairs. I'm as quiet as can be getting her out of the room, making sure she don't wake up Daniel, getting downstairs. We don't wake anybody up. Get her out the door in the car. I get inside. Nobody's awake. I'm like, Yes. I'm going to lay on this couch, and I'm going to go back to sleep. Jackson was up all night. He's going to sleep till like 10 o'clock because he's exhausted. And so I, I get, get downstairs. I get my blanket. I turn on the little space heater. I'm like, oh, this is going to be great, a couple of hours of sleep. So I lay down on the couch, not even like two minutes. I get a text from Ashley. Jackson's up. Can you come get him? I'm just like, man, I, I, I was like, I wanted to ignore the text and just act like I was already asleep, but... But then I know she was going to call and just bring them down anyway. But, uh, no, so I go upstairs, and I get them. I'm like, this is fine. Daniel's still asleep because he's, he's about to be five. I was like, he's still asleep, so we will, like, I'll take Jackson out and get him some milk. I'll put Mickey Mouse on, and me and him will chill on the couch, and I'll probably doze off a little bit, and it's, it's going to be great. And so I get Jackson downstairs. I get his milk. I get, I get Mickey Mouse on the TV, and then I sit down. And no lie, I sit down, and what do I hear coming down the stairs? Boom. And there's Daniel turning the corner. I'm like, oh, my goodness. So, so, so now it's like, all right, it, it is what it is. Like, they're both up. So they're both sitting beside me on the couch, which is awesome to just sit in between them. They're both watching Mickey Mouse, and I'm just like a zombie for like five to ten minutes. And I finally say, you know what? Like, I'm doing no good just sitting here. If they're going to chill right here... Let me go throw a waffle in the, in the toaster, give them a waffle, like, you know, say throw, throw some food at the dogs and satisfy them for a little bit. But, so, but uh, I give them their waffle, they're chilling for a little while, so I'm like, you know, I'm going to go read. I, I get my Bible, I go to the table, I sit down to start reading, and uh, I do what I do every time. I'm like, all right, all right, Holy Spirit, you're the teacher, give me understanding, give me supernatural understanding, reveal Jesus to me. And I start reading, I read a couple of chapters in Deuteronomy. Some weird stuff, but nothing like crazy. Just like, whoa, that's in the Bible? Uh, I, then I go to, the, go to Proverbs. There's, I'm going somewhere with this. Everybody's like, man, who is this guy up here? But I, I read my proverb of the day. If, if you're currently, if you don't read the proverb of the day, I challenge you to start because that's something that will, man, that's, there's so much wisdom in that book. That was good, but it wasn't nothing like mind-blowing. And then I get to John. And uh, by the time I'm, I'm in John now, they're done watching Mickey Mouse like Jackson is. He's running around downstairs, and he's still satisfied, so everything's great. But now it's to the point of he's playing this game of I, he wants to run up to me, climb in my lap, but not sit there. He wants to immediately get back down and then run around. And so we're playing this game, but 
I'm trying not to, like, he gets in my lap and tries to rip the Bible, rip the Bible and all that. So I'm trying to keep him away. But I, for some reason, I'm like, you know, I'm not going to stop reading. I, I'll hold him. I'll play with him. But I'm not going to stop. And so I keep, keep reading. And then all of a sudden, he, now it's, he's bringing me cars. And I'm sitting in the chair rolling cars back and forth. He's running into me, doing all this stuff. And uh, I start reading in John 8. As all this is going on, like the boys are running around, it's crazy. The Holy Spirit just starts downloading stuff. It's like boom, 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 boom. And so that's what tonight I'm going to talk about is from John 8. And, and what I want to say, number one, I'm, I'm excited to share this. But number two, like just have, like, having your quiet time in the secret place is a must. Like you have to have that. But like God will still speak to you in the midst of life. Like in the midst of your kids running around, in the midst of cleaning a kitchen or folding clothes or doing whatever it is, like he will still speak to you. You don't, don't have to wait until it gets quiet. You don't have to wait until the time is just right. Like just, just press in and, and, and do it. And there's, there's no reason to wait. And so there, there's no better time in the present. And I'll touch on that a little later. And so John chapter 8, a quick synopsis. Uh, they catch the woman in the act of adultery. They bring her to Jesus. Um, you know, they, they, he said, Jesus says the, the one without sin, throw the first stone. They all leave. He asks her, where are your accusers? And then he says, go and send no more. And he goes back to teaching and he starts teaching about how he's the light of the world. And, uh, some of them were confused. Some of them didn't believe. And so then he just really starts pressing in. And so he starts warning the unbelievers. And then what I want to, where, where I'm coming from is John eight, I guess, verse 31 through 59, the last half. He, he's speaking to the ones that believed him, and he just calls them out. I mean, he's calling them posers, all sorts of stuff. They start, I mean, they're, you know, he says at one point, I'll talk about it, you're the, your father is the devil. And they're like, no, you have a demon in you. But I'm just saying, and so Jesus calls all these people who believed out. And so the first thing I want to talk about is, you know, we want to know Jesus well and love him more. And so the first question to ask yourself are you devoted to his word? All right, because to know someone well, I got to be devoted to, to what they say, devoted to what they do. And so it says in John eight thirty one, Jesus says, if you are a true disciple, you remain faithful to my teachings. You re remain faithful. And so another word for faithful is devoted. And so if I want to be devoted to the teachings, devoted to his teachings, I've got to know it. I have to know it. And then I have to listen to it. I have to read it. I have to meditate on it. I, I have to know his teachings. He says, if you are a true disciple, you remain faithful to my teaching. So I got to know it. So the more you get into his word, the more you stay devoted to his word, your desire for Jesus, your desire for him grows. All right, so the more I'm in it, the more I want it. All right, the more I'm devoted to his word, the more my passion for him grows. If I'm passionate about something, that means I spend my time and energy in it. All right, and so if I want my passion for Jesus to grow, I got to put my time, I got to put my energy into that. And so he says, if I want to be a true disciple, I have to get into his word. I have to be the word. I have to live his word. Right? So if I want to be a true disciple, I got to be in it. I got to be it. I got to live it out. Right? And I, I got to look like the word. And so we also see in, in John 14, 15, Jesus says, if you love me, you obey my commandments. 
All right, so to, to, to know him well, to love him more, I got to obey what he says. All right, he says, uh, John says in 2 John 1, 9, that if you wander from the word, you have no relationship with God. So it says if you stray from the word, you don't have a relationship with him. All right, and so if I want a relationship, I got to be devoted. I got to be into the word. And so that's the question I want to ask y'all. How is your relationship with the word? How often are you in the word? Are you picking and choosing when and when and where you want to obey it and what I want to obey? Uh, I like this, but th- uh, this, this situation in life is tough and this person was wrong and blah, 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 whatever it is. Are you making excuses or are you choosing to obey it? Am I being devoted to his word even when it's tough? That's the question we have to ask. And so we know that Jesus says the Bible, the word, that's spiritual food. And so he says, I am the living bread. Jesus said that, living bread. It's not dead. It's not old. It's living. All right. And so bread, you eat bread. I got to eat the word, right? I mean, just, just think like me and my wife, she might have been the one who told me this analogy. I can't remember. So we'll give her credit. Smart man. I've learned from Mr. Buh. So uh, just think of like a big loaf of bread, like Italian bread. It's like, I don't know, think of a, a big, big old loaf. All right, if I'm going to eat this bread, how silly and stupid would it be if I'm taking this giant loaf of bread and just trying to shove it all in my mouth, right? Like the, the circus people that swallow the swords, right? Mr. Isaiah, or Isaiah can do that. Just ask him afterwards. Uh, but like how stupid would that be? Like, to try to just shove a whole loaf of bread in your mouth. No, you take a little bit, you take a bite, you break it, whatever it is, unless you got sliced bread. Praise God for sliced bread, all right? But you, you take a bite, and then you chew on that thing, right? You chew it up. You chew it up, and then you, you swallow it, and I don't know the science of what goes on in your stomach, but it breaks it down even more. But that's what we're supposed to do with his word, all right? We, we take bites, and we chew on it. All right, we chew on it, we chew on it, we chew on it, and then we swallow it, and then we let all the gross stuff in your stomach, right, Elijah, and it breaks it all down. See, look, I told you I was going to call you all out. They didn't believe me. And so Jesus said the Bible is spiritual food, right? In, in the desert, the Israelites wandered around. Every day they woke up to fresh manna, right? That, that came down every day, right? It's the same thing with us. Like, I want fresh manna every day, all right? I want fresh revelation every day. I don't want yesterday's bread. I don't want yesterday's word. I don't want yesterday's revelation. I don't want to live off what Jesus spoke to me last week, a week ago, two weeks ago, or a month ago. Like, I want it fresh today, all right? And so yesterday's bread shouldn't be good enough. We, we have to be unsatisfied. We got we to gotta want more. And none of y'all, except like the boys over there, give me $5, I'll do it, would eat old, stale, moldy bread, right? They'd probably do it for 50 cents, right? They, y'all, y'all think I'm joking. They, they probably would do it just for kicks and giggles. Like, you won't say I won't do it. So, uh, but same thing I, I, tell, I tell the students all the time. You can ask them. I say, hey, we got to get into the Word. And so, what we see happen is, I'm like, if you're not reading, if you're currently not reading your Bible, this thing is really, can be intimidating. I'm like, start with one verse a day. Like, if you ain't reading, start with a verse 
or a chapter. Just start. All right, and when I was coaching, we used to say, all right, how, do, how would you eat an elephant? Does anybody know? One bite by bite. I take it one bite at a time. It's the same thing. So start small. Start with something uh, that you can do. And so we see we don't skip a physical meal or you get hungry and then you overeat or you eat twice or you get hangry and you're mean to people. So why do we want to skip a spiritual meal? All right. So I, I need to get up every day and make sure it's a priority that I feed myself first thing in the morning. All right. And then some of you might say, hey, Pastor David, like, I don't have a desire to do it. No worry. Like, I was there. Number one, like, ask for it. Like, we pray. That's what I've been telling uh, the, the leadership guys for Encounter. I'm like, we pray about some, we're going to look one day in heaven, we're going to look down and be like, man, that was really, well, we prayed about some stupid stuff. Like, God, uh, we've got this, this dentist bill, and what are we going to do about it? You know, it's $30, and I shouldn't have to pay that. Talking about myself. Like, my insurance, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, but I won't pray to ask for a, a, a bigger hunger or a bigger desire. And so just ask for it if, you, if it's not there, and then act on it like it is there. All right? And, and, and you just act on it, and you, and you keep doing it, and that desire will grow. And, and I remember years ago when we first, it was back in like 2006, 2010, we were coming to church here. And y'all know Pastor, Pastor He's like at a whole nother level, like getting up at four in the morning, hours praying. And I'm like, that's what I, man, I want to do that. And I would get up and maybe like one day, the first day, or probably the first day, I probably would snooze my alarm because I wouldn't get up earlier. And I'm like, man, I can't do this. Then finally I would get up and I might like read for like a day or like 30 minutes or pray for 30 minutes. And it's just like, man, I can't do what pastor does. So it's like, ugh, what's, why even try? Right? But my issue was I was trying to be pastor. I was trying to emulate what he was doing instead of focusing on myself. And so instead of focusing on my relationship, I was trying to make mine look like his. And so you've got to evaluate where are you at. Right? If you're someone who's currently not reading your Bible a whole lot, not praying a whole lot, don't say, hey, I'm going to go be Pastor Mitch and pray for four hours a day. Because that's, that's a lot. And so like Miss Eileen said, we eat that elephant bite by bite, all right? And so uh, we see to know Jesus well, you got to be devoted to his word. That's the first thing. So ask yourself, to know Jesus well, how devoted am I to his word? The, the second thing we see is I want to ask yourself something that stuck out to me in John 8 is, uh, does Jesus have a place of honor in your life? Or the, the better question is, who is on the throne of your life? And can I, can I just say something real quick? All right, I got one go ahead. That's, I'll, I'll talk to Alyssa. And so the one thing we got to stop doing, we got to stop bringing things to God that don't cost us anything. Like, like he, I, I mean, seriously, he, think of what he gave and then think of what you give. Like, it, it should cost us something what we bring to God. And so uh, a couple of weeks ago, we were on Saturday morning prayer plug, 9 o'clock on Saturday mornings. We got prayer here. Come out. It's amazing. But I was uh, sitting back there probably like where Mr. Lance is, actually. I call everybody Mr. Sorry. Just used to it, my kids. Lance and Catherine. Sitting back there, and I was praying. And I just, that's, God has been dealing with me on this honor stuff for like a month or so now. And so as I was praying, 
like what I, this picture I got in my head was like these, uh, like two kids, they like, like elementary school age, and one was standing there really excited because this other kid said, hey, I have a gift for you. And so what happened is the one kid brought the gift over, and I didn't see what the gift was. I didn't, I didn't know, like, what I pictured. But they were holding it in their hand, and it was just crappy. It was a hand-me-down. It wasn't nothing good. It was, like, bad. And so the kid that was receiving the gift, like, smacked it like kids would do. Like, boom. All right, this was, like, I guess it more like Daniel when we came back from Florida, and we got him this alligator pencil. And he's like, and then that's a whole other story. But this kid smacked it and then turned off and was, like, crying and upset. And it just hit me. It's like, that's what we do with God. We, we come, oh, I got, I got something for you. Ah, oh, it's going to be so great. And then this, it's an alligator pencil. And it's like, oh, that costs you 50 cents at a gas station when you didn't even think about getting me something. You're just like, oh, crap, we're on the way home. We got to get something for him. All right, y'all see what I'm saying? But we do the same thing with God. And so uh, that gas station was cool, though. They actually had real baby alligators in there. Uh, but side note. And so... Uh, if, if we want to love Jesus more, like if I want to love anybody more, I have to honor them. All right, it says uh, John eight forty nine. Jesus, like I said, he's calling out all these believers and he, he, these people who said they believed. He's, he's just calling them all out for all their lies. And uh, he, he, he goes in to say, hey, your father is actually the devil the father of all lies, and they, they come back to Jesus, and they say, you Samaritan devil, didn't we say all along that you were demon-possessed or possessed by a demon? I'm like, that's like such a child, like thinking like, that's, no, you're stupid. No, you're stupid. All right, that's what I picture in my head. But Jesus says, no, I have no demon in me, for I honor my father, and you dishonor me. And so when I read that, it just made me think, all right, what does it mean to dishonor someone? Like, what does it mean to dishonor? And then the next question that came to my mind was, am I dishonoring God? Am I dishonoring Jesus? And so uh, what we see, I'm a, Dr. Sean Tracy, he, he helped me out last night. He was, I was working on my Greek, or my Greek phonics last night, so I'm going to try my best. But the Greek word for dishonor right there is atimazo, or I don't, I, I tried. We, we give it that. I, if, if I had the, the clip, we could play it for you. But, but what it means to disgrace, treat disgracefully, to dishonor, to insult, to despise, to treat dishonorably, treat shamefully, treat with indignity, because perceived as having no value or honor or worth. And the root of that word was from the atimazo, is atimo, atimos, which is unrecognized, not honored or valued. Dishonored, describing someone or something as reproachful without dignity. And so I started thinking, where in my life have I dishonored Jesus? And so anytime we don't put him in first place, if he's not in first place in our lives in anything, that is a dishonor to him. Anytime we put something before him, if you put your time before him, your attention before him, your thoughts before him, you have just dishonored him. And like when I, when I started thinking about this, like I, I was at home and I just like was weeping. I was crying that night. I mean, oh my gosh. Like, because then I read in John 5, 23, Jesus says, anyone who does not honor the son is certainly not honoring the father who sent him. I'm like, oh gosh, like God, I've dishonored you. 
Like I had to, I had to repent. I'm, I'm like crying, like, gosh, I am sorry. And so what we see, anytime you don't give Jesus the honor, the glory, and the worship he deserves, you're not only dishonoring Jesus, you're dishonoring God. You're dishonoring the Father. And so I got to give Mr. Bo some credit. On Saturday, he gave me this great analogy. So let me explain it in, in like David terms. And so it's like if Ashley told me, hey, like for her birthday's coming up in April. Say for, she said, hey, for my birthday, I want a symphony bar with toffee and, and uh, I want a half dozen roses. And so I go out and I go to the store and I look, hey, Snickers are two for one. And a dozen tulips are on sale. And so I get her, that's, yeah, look at the Lord provides, right? And, and, but I look like, man, I got her more chocolate and I got her more flowers. Like, this is so much better. But that ain't what she asked for. That isn't what she wanted. That's dishonoring to her. Right? That was convenient and easy for me. And what I thought was smart, because it was a better deal, we got more, but that wasn't giving her the honor she deserves. Or it's like if I say, hey, Ash, hey, babe, I got dinner tonight, don't worry. All right? And she comes home, and I've made some sandwiches, and I even put them things in the air fryer. I'm like, man, it's going to be good. All you are like, man, it's gross. You can ask her, what's my favorite food? Sandwiches. She, she tells me, I'm on the way home, she's like, hey, we're having sandwiches for dinner. I'm like, it's, oh, it's going to be a great night tonight. I'm love, like, tonight when I leave here, I'm going to go home and have me, like, two or three sandwiches. <laughs> like, and, you know, even make it better, if it's bologna, the bright leaf bologna on some white bread, the bre- that good stuff. And so that's what I grew up on. But, but what we see, that isn't what she likes. That, that isn't what she would want. And so that, that's dishonoring her. And so it's just made me think, all right, when have I dishonored, what am I doing that's dishonoring Jesus? And so I don't think I, I, I could ask this room and I say, hey, who in here says that they want to or would choose to dishonor God? And all of us would probably put our hand, nobody would raise their hand. They'd say, no, none of us intentionally would want to do that. But uh, my, our students, we talk about being hot, being honest, open, and transparent. Let's keep it hot. Let's, let's be hot for a second. We all do that. We all intentionally dishonor him, whether we realize it or not. And so in, in Malachi 1, uh, 6 through 10, it says, uh, The Lord of heaven's armies says to the priest, A son honors his father, and a servant respects his master. If I am your father and master, where are the honor and respect I deserve? You have shown contempt. For my name. That contempt word, we're going to keep seeing it. But you ask, this is us. God, it would be like if God was speaking to us. And then we say back, but you ask, how have we ever shown contempt for your name? He responds, you have shown contempt by offering defiled sacrifices on my altar. Then you ask, how have we defiled the sacrifices? You defile them by saying the altar of the Lord deserves no respect. When you give blind animals as sacrifices, isn't that wrong? And isn't it wrong to offer animals that are crippled and diseased? Try giving gifts like that to your governor and see how pleased he is. Go ahead, beg God to be merciful to you. But when you bring that kind of offering, why should he show you any favor at all? 
And then it says, how I, verse 10, how I wish one of you would shut the temple doors so that these worthless sacrifices, worthless sacrifices could not be offered. I am not pleased with you, says the Lord of heaven's armies, and I will not accept your offerings. And so it says the offerings were contempt. All right, contempt, that word, the act of despising, the act of viewing or considering and treating as mean, vile, and worthless, disdain, hatred of what is mean or deemed vile. It says right here, this word is one of the strongest expressions of a mean opinion which the language affords. But we see none of them said, like, what do you, what do you mean we've brought defiled sacrifices? No, we haven't done that. All right? And so it's, it's made me, it says, hey, when have I brought, brought contempt to the altar? And I'm just completely oblivious because it's convenient. It's the easy thing to do. And so... What, what happens, we put what we want to do first, what I want to do first. And so it's saying like, hey, sitting down to watch TV at night when everything calms down instead of getting into the word to pray first. It's, it's saying, hey, like I'll do it right before I go to bed or like I'll get up early the next morning and do it. Well, I just put something before him. All right, and, and, and so we see, we have to put him at the rightful place where he belongs, and that's number one. And so just, just keeping it real, it's like saying like WandaVision or the Mandalorian or the extra 30 minutes of sleep is more important than what Jesus did for you. Like, like, like that's what he's just been gripping me with. It's like, oh, you, you want to watch this TV show, and you get so tired watching it, you can't spend any time with me. Like, you chose a TV show over me giving myself and dying for you. And, and, and so that's dishonoring to them. And so, like, an example would be, like, get your phone and check the screen time. Teenagers, don't, y'all, we don't even want to talk about that. But, like, check your screen time. Like, like, four hours a day on our phone, but we don't spend a combined hour reading or praying. And so it's that I always say when I was when I was coaching, time's the great equalizer. It don't matter where you come from, uh, who you are, or how much money or anything you got. We all got the same amount of time, and that's twenty four hours, right? And so it's it's what am I making time for? It's what I put as important, right? And so you make decisions based on what you think is important, and uh, that's your personal choices of what we think is important. But we gotta put Jesus number one. We gotta put the importance and what he did for us as our number one priority, put him on the throne. And so we see if I want to love Jesus more, I got to honor him because it don't matter. If you don't honor someone, you're not going to love who they are. And so my youth can probably tell y'all, I say it all the time, Jesus isn't coming back for a theologian. He isn't coming back for an evangelist. He, ain't, he isn't coming back for a warrior. What's he coming back for? A bride. He's coming back for a bride. Half of them are like, they still don't, they just say it every week because I make them. They don't get it, but one day it's going to be like, oh, I remember. He said every week Jesus is coming back for a bride. But you think of like for us in here that's married or if you want to be married one day, like a true bride is fully devoted to her husband. And that's what he's coming back for. He's coming back for someone that is truly devoted for him. It says spotless and blameless. That's what he's looking for in us. And so if we want to love him more, we got to honor him. 
Right? And so my, my last question to ask yourself is, is, as I was reading John, the second half of John 8, is can you go deeper? Or another way to word it is, do you want to go deeper? And so uh, if I want to love my wife more, if I want to love Ashley more, first thing I got to do, I got to spend time with her. All right? I got to spend more time with her. Right? I say it to the students all the time, two plus two is four. If I want to get to seven, well, two and two will never equal seven. I got to change my input. So if I want to love her more, I got to spend more time with her. I got to do more things. All right, I got to start noticing all the things Pastor Cameron talked about on Sunday of, of, of being thankful. I got to start noticing everything that she does for me and my family. All right, that will make me love her more. And it, it's the same with Jesus. If we want to love him more, number one, I got to spend more time with him. All right, I, I, everybody, no matter where you are in your walk, can spend more time with him. So I got to spend more time with him. All right, if I want to love him, if I want to go deeper, we got to spend time with him. I got to be intentional about thanking him and remembering, just like Pastor Cameron talked about on Sunday, the things that he has done for me. All right, those are the things that will make me love him more. Those are the things that will draw me closer. All right, it said in First uh, Peter 2, 2, it says, uh, like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk. It says you must crave it so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment. And I'm going to try my, my Greek phonics again. Uh, the word for crave there is epipothaho. Go with that. Hey, Sean gave me a thumbs up, so we're going to roll with that. And so, but what that means, it means to crave means to long for to strain after. I have to long for the pure spiritual milk. I have to strain for the pure spiritual milk. I have to desire greatly the pure spiritual milk. I have to desire that more than anything else. I have to have affection for that. And so something uh, Mr. Sean taught, taught me a few years ago is the difference between a physical hunger and a spiritual hunger. And, and so we see... They're, they're, they work the opposite way. A physical hunger. If, if y'all came in here tonight and you skipped dinner, your stomach right now is probably growling and you're really, really hungry. All right, by the time we leave tonight, you want to eat. And then you're going to eat a lot and it's going to satisfy that need, right? You're going to feel good, all right? And you're going to be good for a little while, right? But uh, we, we see it's the, it's the opposite with the spiritual hunger. So the physical hunger, we get satisfied, like my desire for it. The more I eat, my appetite shrinks. Y'all catch what I'm saying? So when I eat, my appetite goes down. All right, spiritual hunger works the opposite way. When I skip a meal spiritually, when I don't get up and read my Bible, when I don't get up and spend my quiet time in, in prayer, my desire for wanting to do that just starts to shrink. And so the, it doesn't grow like if you skip the meals. And so let's say I, I, I go a few days or a week or weeks and months without doing it. Well, your appetite and your desire to want to do it is just going to continue to shrink. All right? But the more I spiritually eat and feed myself, the more I get into my word, the more I, I, I pray and I talk to God, my desire for it grows. My hunger for it grows. And so the more I'm eating spiritually, the more I want to do it. And so... That's what we have to do. That's how you go deeper. That's how you love him more. And so uh, 
I want to I read something to y'all and, and just show you a glimpse of what Jesus thinks of you, what he thinks of us. And I'm going to read, it's going to be from the Passion Translation. It's a Song of Songs, chapter 4, 9 through 12. This is what he says about us, about you. It says, for you reach into my heart with one flash of your eyes. I am undone by your love. My beloved, my equal, my bride, you leave me breathless. I am overcome by merely a glance from your worshiping eyes, for you have stolen my heart. I am held hostage by your love and by the graces of righteousness shining upon you. How satisfying to me, my equal, my bride, your love is my finest wine, intoxicating and thrilling, and your sweet perfumed praises, so exotic, so pleasing. Your loving words are like the honeycomb to me. Your tongue releases milk and honey, for I find the promised land flowing within you. The fragrance of your worshiping love surrounds you with scented robes of white. My darling bride, my private paradise, fastened to my heart, a secret spring are you that no one else can have. My bubbling fountain hidden from public view. What a perfect partner to me now that I have you. Like that's what he says about you. That's what he thinks about you. And it, 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 it breaks me down. Like He longs to spend time with you. He longs to spend time with you. Just think out of everybody in the world, he wants time with you. And so why would I not want to go deeper with someone who says that about me? Like, why would I not want to? Like, someone that loves me this much, why wouldn't I want to get closer? Why wouldn't I want to go deeper? And so as we close, like we, we talked about knowing him and loving him more. And we talked about, like, how devoted to the word am I? It, who's on the throne of my life? How, how does Jesus have a place of honor in my life? And do I want to go deeper? And Psalms 27, I think, is one of the, the, the best ways to me that describes it. And, like, when I think of going deeper, I think of, like, just think of being at the beach in the ocean. And, like, whether you've got kids or you, your parents took you and the first time actually going out deep. And maybe they had to walk you and pull you. And, oh, it's going to be okay. Like, that's what, like, I want to go deeper. I want to get to where I, I can't stand. I want to get to where I have to float. Like, that's what he wants to do. He doesn't want us to stay where the waves are crashing at our feet. He wants, us to, he wants to take us deeper. And so we see in, in Psalms 27, verse 4, this is David talking. This is the song we were singing earlier. It says, the one thing I ask of the Lord, the thing I seek the most is to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, delighting in the Lord's perfections and meditating in his temple. This is David saying, the thing I want the most in life is I want to just be with you. I want to stare at you. I want to look at how beautiful you are. And then in, in verse 8 it says, my heart has heard you say, come and talk with me. 
and my heart responds, Lord, I'm coming. Like, that's what he's saying to you. He's saying, I, like, come, I long to spend time with you. Come and talk with me. Right? And David's response, Lord, I'm coming. And so I want more of him. I want more of Jesus. Like, I want to go deeper. Like, I want to be the bride that is so deeply in love with Jesus, that is addicted to him. I want to be enamored with Jesus. Like, it, it brings me to tears. Like, that's what I want. Like, that's the goal. That's what he wants. That's what he is looking for. Like, there's so much more to him. And so, as we close, let's just, I want y'all to I do this with our students. Just clear your minds. If you've got to close your eyes, close your eyes. Take a breath. We're talking about the creator of the universe. He wants to spend time with you. Get rid of all distractions, work, family, everything going on. This next little bit, nothing matters except our king. If you want more of him, all you have to do is ask. Like he, will, he will give it to you. If you want to go deeper, ask. He will, he will give it to you. I'm going to read what Paul says in Ephesians 1, 16 through 19. He says, Paul's writing to the church in Ephesus. I pray for you constantly, asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he called his holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance. That's you. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. Like, we ask for it. Like, like I said earlier, we, we go to him about some silly things. He, he delights when we ask him, when we ask him for Give me a spirit of wisdom. Give me a spirit of revelation of who you are. I, I know nothing. I just want more of you. Show me more. And so no matter where you are right now and tonight, like I challenge you, go deeper. Like I challenge you, go deeper. Don't settle for where you currently are. Like do not settle for where, where you are with God right now. And so in a second, I'm gonna ask, if you, if you wanna go deeper, I challenge you, come to the front. Come to the altar and cry out. Cry to God and, and say, I want more. I want more of you. I want to go deeper. Tell him you want more. Tell him you want a deeper walk with him. And then ask him, as you're, as you're listening, like, God, show me the areas in my life that are keeping me away from you. Show me what's pulling me away from you. Show me what's holding me back. He will talk to you. And then just cry out. So I, if, if you want more of him, just come up here now and talk to him. That's what he wants. Go ask him to go deeper.